Adaptable Project is here to help, educate and inspire Aussie blokes to reclaim their physical and mental strength. This episode of the Deadbod Project podcast features audio from the All Fun and Games YouTube series, where we get a well-known personality from sports or entertainment, play an old-fashioned board game, and have a good old-fashioned yak. Some of the stuff we talk about is around the Dadbod pillars of diet, training, and mental health, and some of the stories are just enlightening or entertaining or just downright piss funny. This is the Dadbod Project podcast. This is the Dadbod Project. The Dadbod Project. Today's chat is with the iconic chocolate starfish frontman Adam Thompson, where we talk all things the Australian music industry, kilts, meditation, and masculinity. This is the Dadbod Project podcast. One of the truly great front men in music in Australia, Adam, how are you going, mate? Rav, I'm doing really well are here at Kilted. Uh, feeling good, actually. Yeah, I can tell you, mate, we've done nine apps. You are winning Best Dressed Award by a street. Do uh, we get the Basic Instinct Sharon Stone? Oh, maybe by the end of the right. episode. We'll see We've how I go. I am a pretty demure kind of guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> don't give everything away too easy. <laughs> There's a, uh, I think we've got nine cameras on us here, mate. I don't know if we've yeah. got one sort of going up that angle, but we'll, we'll see. Have you played uh, Jenga before? Never ever played Jenga. Um, okay. I've heard about it and uh, played many games, but uh, right, eh? be interested to see what this one's all you about. Can, you can go first, mate. Now, because you have been on Hey Hey at Saturday in your life, so I don't know where... All Fun and Games fits in terms of the, um, <laughs> the, the pinnacle of your visual Jeez. media career, but... Okay, you... um, well look, all I've got to do is, I guess, is just pull one of these out. Pull right one now. of Hope these out. it doesn't fall. Okay, let's, yeah. let's, uh, oh man, see, I'm nervous straight away. Yeah. Peeps, this is, this don't is try this fun. at home uh, without wearing a kilt, of course. There's there one go. down, We're underway. looking good. Now, you are highly regarded within the industry, in, in outside the industry for that matter, as a genuine entertainer, right? Mm. What makes a good rock and roll front man? What makes a good rock and roll front man? Um, see, all my peers would probably disagree entirely with me uh, because everyone has their own, uh, their own field of pursuit that they want to do. But, uh, you know, I, I think um, entertainment for me is the key. And yeah. yes, you've got to have great songs. Yes, you've got to um, be able to sing. You've got to be able to play as a band. and. You know, that's, that's almost a given, but I've always had the ethos that every performance uh, should stand alone and people should walk away from it. Beautiful, look at that. Mm. Uh, should walk away from it going, you know, that was one of the best experiences of my life. And, yeah. and, and I guess holistically, it, it's a, it's an, it was an entertaining night that I'll remember for that reason. Mm. It's funny, it just because we've had the... We've had the conversation before about those of us that end up with microphones in their hands, right? Which is generally, we're extroverts by nature. We're confident and affable and loving and all those sorts of things. But it's not always the case. You know, there are some cats that that person on stage is a character. But that bloke on stage is you, isn't it? Probably one of the best questions I've been asked since COVID, if not before. Right. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, for me, being an extrovert... uh, is only a part of my life yeah. because there was a real uh, anomaly is not the right word. There, there, ooh, see that? It's a little shaky. Um, oh, see something? Something just popped out, kids. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't you believe it? Uh, it wasn't a kilt. No, no, it wasn't a kilt. Um, something just popped out, and I think I'm, I'm okay with this. Um, 
there's probably a, uh, a misconception, is probably the best word, that uh, if you're an extroverted person, you're extroverted all the time. Mm. And, you know, even as far back as the 90s, the uh, Tasmanian cops used to be convinced every time I got up on stage that I should be drug tested because I was definitely on, you know, the highest barbiturate that they've ever seen on the Apple Isle. Uh, but reality was I wasn't, right? Yeah. And, but I, I harnessed that for the show. Yeah. And then when I finish, uh, you know, I could literally go for a 10k run or I could go back and, you know, just watch an episode of Days of Our Lives or something. No, it's a balance. And I'm a classic Gemini. So my twin is the, uh, is the extrovert introvert. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, I, you know, I manifest it for the, for the moments I need it, but to balance myself out and, and so I don't lose my, uh, my mental health... Then I've got to, you know, I've got to have the the quiet time and the and the the introverted time. Hmm. It's interesting. We had a chat with Tim Rogers a couple of episodes ago. He said of quite a similar thing. And and Tim is um, probably a different sort of cat again, mm. and probably that example of an introvert by nature. But you know, he's very much saying that that time away is how you manage the time on stage. You know, and if you don't have that, yeah. yeah. Look, it's it's kind of paramount. Now, I know you have a lot of sports people, you know, on the show and. Mm. Um, it's kind of similar in a way for them where they've got to harness their physical energy for the game or for training. Mm. Um, but creatively for me, you feeling confident, by the way? Oh, as nervous as you are now. See, I, I'm just wondering whether I should go right for the bottom. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this uh, a little bit interesting right now. I'm going to take one from down below. So, sleight of hand. There it goes. Ooh. So now we're, now we're getting a bit interesting. Not only interesting. in the conversation, but also in, yeah. in the Jenga. Uh, was it your turn to speak on mine? Right. Look. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit scared. So tell, the, the music industry in Australia, I mean, chocolate starfish rose to initial prominence around the mid-90s. Mm -hmm. In those 25 years, you know, what, what's changed the most, do you think? What's, what's easier or harder or better or worse? as far as the Australian music industry Massive goes. question. Uh, to me, there are things that are the same. See, this is really difficult actually speaking because I'm so engrossed in what you're about as are to the either possibly. succeeding or failing, which either way is fine. Look at that, kids. Uh, they say every once in a while, you've just got to take the low-hanging fruit, so I'm going to take it oh. from there. Uh, I think what's changed uh, is, uh, is obviously the, in the internet has changed the world in every, in every industry. Mm. So our, ours aren't, uh, is no exception. So the things that we banked upon, like record sales and uh, being signed by a label and you know, all those things back in the 90s and, and before that that were an integral part of what a band's um, life was. And we talk about those steps that you know you if you, if i got the if i got the deal or if i got a um, great song yeah. or, you know it would all fall into place now there are there are so few rules so i don't think anyone really knows we're all guessing yeah. on how to navigate it um i still think what hasn't changed is a great band and a great uh entertaining show and and great songs will always um be the cornerstone of people's um, desire to experience music. Yeah. Now, whether that's in a recorded format or whether it's in a live format, um, those things still have to be good. And you're always going to have, you know, and there are many more of today, there are many more um, 
uh, instant uh, success and at instant die-offs. And I think with Starfish, just to round up that conversation, is that after more than 25 years, uh, we still have an integrity about us that um, uh, that a lot of, uh, I guess, our peers within that that age group. Um, uh, when I say declining, uh, and, I'm, and I'm not going to point any names here, but they're they're, can. they're accepting. They're accepting um, that they're on the the declining path of their career, so they don't take as many risks uh, in entertainment. They don't take as many risks in writing a new album or anything like that that's going to be a little challenging for them uh, because like everything like our Jenga game you can fail mm. um, but that you can also create a moment of brilliance that that keeps you relevant keeps you exciting and that's if I can cornerstone one phrase that that's what I want every album every live show to be different from the last to be unpredictable um, to be a little edgy that, you know, and I'm sure Tim Rogers would agree with me on this, that it has to be um, unique every time. If you're mm. just going through the motions, that's when you decline really quick. Yeah, okay. Interesting. I mean, you, one of the biggest parts in the change of the industry is obviously the business model is unrecognisable. From your first record, you sold a lot of compact discs, probably even a few cassettes. Yeah, so that's not how it works anymore so you know what's chocolate stuff is you're making a new record right now i'm not do, do do i have a scoop there no that is a scoop that is a scoop yeah. i got us we're finally yeah. after where it took till season two and we got a scoop the dad bob project is here to help educate and inspire aussie blokes to reclaim their physical and mental strength why make a record now I mean, you have just half answered that question with the previous. But yeah, because, I, okay, I, I sort of have half answered it, but you've got to weigh up, uh, you know, financially, will we make... Yeah. I don't know, I don't... Yeah, I don't know, I, got, I don't have many where to it is go. So, it is so shaky. You've got to weigh up... Um, obviously, financially, you may not make a lot, uh, but it's almost, almost like a business card or an updated business card. Or an updated image, right? Mm. Um, all of a sudden, once you—and I've always believed this—once you've got people's attention, and if you're looking purely as a as a marketer here, once you've yeah. got their attention, then you can at least have an even chance of selling them something. Yeah. If you don't have their attention, um, you've pretty much got jack. Yeah. So, the new record uh, reminds our core fans, which um, I'll talk about that. Um, gradual decline we, we've actually elevated our fan base in the last th three to four years uh, by by three so we're three times our fan base that's incredible it is incredible whereas most others are you know managing only minor additions to, to the well if you like yeah and, and I think that's because we've taken um, some uh, astute um, decisions in our Gee, that's a segue into your next move, isn't it? Astute decisions, right. Uh, in our... Hopefully your next record doesn't fall like this tower's about to, mate. No, it won't. Not right. I'd but that's... Yeah, I mean... Sorry. Oh, no, there look, is, I, I think... a pregnant pause right here. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, they say men can't multitask. Well, I believe I just about have. I reckon you've won this game. No, no. Day. It ain't over but, uh, but until the fat lady sings. 
The, you make, uh, uh, it raises a great question about how there has been a resurgence of the Heritage Act in Australia, to a degree, mm. particularly live. Now, it's probably a bit demeaning to put chocolate starfish in that category, given you, you're probably not old enough to, to fit into it. But there's a real section of, a large section of artists that say maybe 88 through 95 were very prominent. They fell away, they couldn't buy themselves a gig, and then they came back. Yep. Chocolate starfish may have done a bit of that to a degree. And if, 100%. right, so how did you get back? You know. What were the specific things that you did? Yeah. What are the lessons? Well, I don't know whether you were aware, but I walked away from the band in about 98 uh, to about mm, 2002 or three. So I walked away for about seven years. And, How come? Um, oh, how come? The, the simple answer is, uh, personally, I wanted to understand the complexity of who I was as a person. So, uh, yes, I wanted to make a solo album, which I did, reconnected, but it was more than that. It was, it was more the, the complexity of who I am as a, as, a, as a human being and a soul on this earth. And I knew in my heart of hearts that I was, you know, as, as much as I was a good entertainer, I knew there was more to me. And when you're only in one realm, daily, you, you can't explore those other paths. And I just, I was so desperate to explore altruism, you know, by helping people. I was so desperate to explore, you know, how I could be as a, as a public speaker, how I could be as a presenter, uh, how I could, um, I guess, you know, work with kids, which I do in, in my Museo Magic program. Um, so I wanted to explore those things. And when you're part of a, you know, like your sports people will, will adhere to. When you're part of a team, it's very difficult to step outside without either offending or, or you know, or, to, or being opposite to what the band or the, or the team wants. So mm. I needed to do that. Mm. And, you know, at the time, it probably always weren't happy about it. And, but we've sort of looked at it now with hindsight and gone as much as it was probably too long. Uh, yeah. What was good about it was that we, we're now back with a fresh perspective on each other, and I've got more things that I can offer to the table, and I think that's important. Yeah, but you've created add-ons as well. I mean, I think you know, a couple of the lessons, certainly for chocolate starfish, were yeah. you created additions to your product. You know, yeah, and they were, the, they were those risks. So, yeah, um, you know, the classic album series that we've done with uh, Bat Out of Hell Meatloaf, we've done yeah. the Incest Kick, and and I was right in the middle of. Um, you know, a solo tour of Bohemian Rhapsody, which was yeah. some of the biggest, which I know you were at uh, the very first show we did, and was some of the biggest numbers that either myself or the band ever mm. played. And I think that's just being really smart, but also you've got to deliver. Amen. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, you can say, I can do this or I can do this, but if you don't deliver, uh, you're going to take fans away. But, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's, that, that we've been smart about. Um, you know, keeping on recording is, is, a, is a smart a smart move because uh, it, it satisfies the, the, the fan base. But also, when you you know when you get you know a lot of young kids coming to watch me do Bohemian Rhapsody, for example, that love that movie, because they're the Spotify generation, they're on Adam Thompson, Chocolate Starfish, then yeah. they're listening to your stuff. So yeah. all that does is grow everything about you. Yeah, and that's got to it's got, you've got to have a growth mindset. Yeah. 
You, the, the two takeaways in terms of a lesson or at least a reminder, regardless of where you're at in the industry, the first is adaption and that you found little add-ons, you know, to basically keep yourself on work. And, like. yeah, yeah, and look, and we've all sung Living on a Prayer more times than <laughs> we probably want to to pay our rent, right? But um, the other thing is you just, you've also got to make it good. And certainly working with you with the Bohemian Rhapsody stuff, it's fucking great, like it's world class. And what we know is that getting people off the couch was already difficult. We don't know what that's gonna look like in 2021, right? Mm. We don't know how the consumer will behave. We, all we know is that we don't know. Yeah. But if you're creating an entertainment product that demands people leave their house and pay their $60, then that's what you did. And that's, yeah. I think that's the lesson for the younger player in terms of the, the, the resurgence of an act like chocolate starfish and how you managed to do it. The first thing you did is you made it really, actually really, really good, yeah. as well as adapting. Correct. You know. if, you, if you look at the, um, if you look at the Michael Jordan philosophy of the 10,000 hours yeah. you've got to spend on anything, I think that's, um, that's a challenge for a lot of young crew because yeah. um, they're instant gratification, they've been brought up instant gratification yeah. feeling. So they think, right, if I want that, I get that. Yeah. If, I w if I want to have a record deal, I write a song and then I'm in. Yeah. Right? Or I line up at a singing competition. And oh, it mm. That's another whole story, which I'm sure mm. we'll get into. Um, but, you know, you to be good, you've just got to put time into things. Yeah. And you've actually got to know when to take calculated risks. You've actually got to know how to peripherally, it's a big word for this time of the day, read a room. Yeah. And you can't, I mean, the boys get so frustrated in Starfish with me, but, you know, we've got a set list of whatever it might be, and the first two songs are a given, but after that, I read yeah. the room. Yeah. And if I think they need song X here, yeah. I've got to live and die by that decision. Yeah. And you're the man with the mic, you make that decision. That's, yeah. you know, and the best people to do it can read that room and do it but 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 you only you only get that from experience and i think that's where you're coming back to your ten thousand hours and that's the thing that worries me about the music industry in australia in that and certainly from my perspective and i'm not saying i'm a good singer now or ever was but i was awful but i did a million gigs a gig after gig and i had that platform yes. and that's a lot harder because you can only get good by doing gigs you can in only the get end by and the same as and, and yeah and that's where at least doing gigs if if you're an 18 year old kid and you want to do your four gigs a week, you know, it's a lot, lot harder now. And that, that's that's where the challenge yeah. so is and, can, and is going to be. Like making a move, if I can segue now in, in, into songwriting for the very same reasons, I mean, we ooh, didn't see that one coming. It's a bit like the Queen's game, but if you haven't watched it, watch it on Netflix. It's, it's, it's a game of chess, but it's... Uh, Kind of similar. I'm going to pull out all guns here. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit like songwriting. Oh, all the kilt. We'll get a rear shot of that kilt there, mate. Got to look this for a new angle. Um, I, reckon I, I reckon I've got the one here that needs to come out. Ooh. Yeah. No, I'm going. <laughs> See? Okay. I believe that... I'm not looking up your kilt there, by the way. I was looking at the game. Oh, jeez Louise. This is really difficult. Um, I believe that... I got it. Um, wow. Where, was, where were we up to? Yeah, I, look, I, I don't know. I, uh, I was looking up your kilt. No, so I was going to say songwriting. So, Zorin was my songwriter uh, partner back in the 90s with Starfish, and we had a real connection on push and pull, and the... Uh, which is, in songwriting, it's when you're collaborating, it's a really interesting... You can be the Tim... Finn, sorry, Neil Finn type, where uh, you are the master and everyone else just plays what you say. 
But when you're collaborating, there's, there's a, an interesting push and pull that doesn't happen with every writer. And Zora and I had it. Tim Henwood and I are doing it at the moment with uh, this new album, Tim from the Super Jesus uh, and, uh, and Rogue Traders. So he's written a lot of good songs. But we're still learning when and how to push each other and, um, you know, is that good enough? And, yeah. and even after 10 attempts at a melody or, or a lyric, you know, you have to suck it up and go, no, it's not right. Yeah. But how do I tell him after the 10th time? Yeah. Sure. And, or vice versa. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, the industry, and we talk, that goes back to the 10,000 hours thing, it's, it's, it's trial and error, but as long as you learn from your, your trial and not just keep repeating the same mistakes, um, then uh, ultimately some great stuff emerges. And I'm, this, this album, which is yet untitled, is some of the best stuff that, that I know I've ever written. And it's, wow, um, awesome. And I, and I can say it sort of harks back um, in some ways to the first album where that was the collaboration with Zoran, but it was a collaboration of, of several years of being time-free enough to reflect and spend time on songs yeah. and not just, you know, a quick throw of a melody here and oh, now I've got to get off to do a gig or now I've got to get off and do this. Yeah. The one beautiful thing that the pandemic has offered is is that opportunity, like I was 24 again, to better look back at all the music and go, right, what do I need to do to this to make it great? And I can spend weeks on a song, yeah, and then at the end just go, wow, it happened. Yeah, great. Yeah, or weeks on a line sometimes. Weeks on a line, yeah, you yeah know, It's always it's that thing where the first 95% is easy and the last 5% takes forever. Yes, yeah, it, and it certainly does. And 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 just you know. Having that fresh... Oh, man. Why are my things taking a little, a little longer? Um, all right, so I'm just going to take a little risk here. That's a big risk. Oh, people, it's all over, Mother Stouting. Thank you very much. At least I... Uh, well, I've lost, the, I've lost the Jenga. Yeah, lost Jenga. Yeah, I, that's uh, good. I humbly acquiesce to your Thank brilliance. you. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. Yeah, brilliance. Brilliance might be a strong word. This is the Dad Bod Project. The singing competitions on TV, we touched on that for a minute. Sound like you have an opinion on it? Ah, oh, look, it's the reason why I put together my uh, Museo Magic program for, yeah. for kids because the very first uh, reality TV show I saw, being the, being the idol one, they, you know, they had the, uh, the preamble blooper reel that they were trying to sucker all the fan base in on and, mm. you know, there were kids crying and there, were, there was just... It was, I actually felt it... It was humiliating in many ways to uh, to human to human beings, and and the one thing that struck me when I when I saw it, and, and I, look, I've tried to watch a couple of episodes, but it's um, it's a competition, and I and I don't feel that creativity, in its essence, is a, is uh, is a competition that mm. should be measured because, as we've just discussed, um, there are some days when you might only write one line and. Mm but you're still progressing towards something, right? Yeah. And um, if you always feel like you're under the microscope or you're getting measured by um, a supreme power, which I'll use that word really uh, mm. really delicately, um, people that believe they've got the answer to your success, then, um, you know, then, then you're going to build up these, these paranoias, or worse, 
you're going to homogenize yourself into this really narrow band of yeah. acceptability yes. just to succeed, right? And yeah. I think so many of those idle kids, unfortunately, uh, you know, mimic and copy and, and um, talk the talk, walk the walk, whatever, whichever way you want to dice it up, yeah. so they'll get signed or so they'll get um, accepted into the top 10 or top 20. And I always use the analogy that if Bob Dylan went on one of those shows, wouldn't make it past the first round unless, of course, he had parents that uh, divorced when he was five and he uh, had a debilitating injury that he had to overcome because then his backstory would be worth listening to. Yeah. Look, it, yeah, you're spot on. And it's good for a certain type of artist, but it's not probably good for everyone else. No, yeah. and, and, look, we, and this is where I, I have to stand for what I believe in. And that's, yeah. and that's why I created Muso Magic, because I, I wanted a, a process that even if you've never done anything creative in your life or, you, or you've never um, had the courage to do it, you can collaborate with a group of people on, a, on, a, on a, you know, a social issue or a school anthem or whatever it might be, that your input is as valid as the next person's. Yeah. And then collaboratively we come up with this thing that, um, that we all feel represents us. And, and I think part of that negotiation as a, as a group is a, is a really cool thing. And it's not about being the best. It's never about that. Yeah. It's about what can I contribute today to not only empower myself, but also empower the, uh, the collective whole. Because Museo Magic has gone... I mean, you've gone far and wide with that, haven't you? We have. We, uh, you know, we have a, a TV show called Outback Tracks from the last 15 years we've done in uh, Aboriginal communities. So we've got yeah. two seasons of that on SBS, NITV. And uh, in India we do... In fact, the Indian uh, economy got me through uh, COVID mostly. Is that uh, right? Yeah, OK. Doing a lot, of, uh, a lot of companies working from home wanted to keep their... Uh, employees engaged so we created these online anthems that they had to co-collaborate on that was around their values and around writing them as a song and describing them and, and into a into a livable um, product if you like that wasn't just a mission statement of of seven words that no one uh, or lines that no one really believes in or understands how they live yeah uh, once you've reframed them into lyric and they become a song then that you created, you weren't told to believe this, that's when you have attachment to things. Mm. That's, when you, that's when you feel it. Yeah. So, yeah, so we've got a, um, you know, a, a music centre in Mumbai and um, all done as a very small charity. So we've yeah, right. done well. If people want to look that up, where, where should they go? Uh, it's, so that's uh, Musicama. So M-U-S-I-K-A-R-M-A. Okay. Yeah, so it's just, awesome. um, it's just playing it forward for the greater good. Yep, awesome. When we have, particularly with our sporting talent and the men's mental health issue, is it's on the agenda everywhere, but it's something that comes mm. up particularly on this platform and the live stuff that we do for the speaking events, and which is a great thing. Meditation is a thing or a conversation that is amongst that a bit. You're a meditator. Is that the noun? <laughs> yeah, you're a, a you're a meditator? Um, yeah, I am, actually. And uh, that's been a bit of a, a saviour for me. Um, I... At, well, developed, if you like, um, mental health at about 40, so about 15 years ago. Did you really? Yeah. 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 How, it's so common, isn't it? Do you know why? Do you know why? Well, after lots of, you know, research into myself and, and lots of therapeutic um, 
things that I've done with everything from psychologists to, to Reiki masters to my guru in India who I go to um, to do a deep breathing uh, course. Um, why it happened, for me personally, it was, be it was because I, I had family tragedy when I was in my teenage years. My, my mum died when I was uh, 15 and then my sister died when I was 17. So um, that's a pretty profound, uh, I guess, change in life. And mm. I sort of felt I'd, I dealt with it as a good country boy, you know, by yeah. getting on with life and, and getting into my sport. And then, and then I found music and, and, you know, pretty much ran away to the circus, if you like, for... Yeah. For, for 10 or 15 years and when you know starfish kind of peed out so it was a, yeah it was around about 2000 or just before 2000 and uh yeah it's just I, I had a a bit of a a night when i where i didn't sleep and that became my manifest of um of fear hmm. uh that i was gonna i was gonna die so yeah um, and so I, I couldn't run away from it anymore and so i had to get help and uh Obviously, the, everything from medication, like I said, to therapists, to um, to meditation, which um, I, I believe is is one of the most important things in my in my toolkit. So, yeah. I think if anyone just believes that a quick fix of a pill or or, or a, even a cognitive therapy is going to help them, it will. But um, I think you've got to have a wide toolkit. Mm. And for me, the meditation is a big part of it. So that. Uh, you know, I meditate before I go on stage now, um, so okay. I don't go too over the top. Actually. Is that right? Yeah, wow. I do. And I do. where? How do you do that? In a where do you find a spot in a dressing room? Oh, so Having been backstage <laughs> with Chocolate Savage <laughs> before, yeah. No, I, look, when I say just, so it's not just before. So I'd say probably an hour before. Okay. Uh, I would in my hotel room before I come to the the venue. I will do a meditation and. Uh, I guess it just evens out my my temperament. We talked at the very start of the interview about the um, the extrovert introvert. You yeah. know, um, my you know for me I I can be eleven plus as mm. you as you've seen on stage. So if I hit the stage um, at eight level eight and let the audience take me to ten or yeah. eleven, that's fine. But if I hit the stage at eleven, I may not sleep for a week after. Yes. Okay. So I've got to balance it, and yeah. but I love it. It's just it's such a such a pure and beautiful and simple thing to do that um, you know people say it's difficult and they can't meditate. But going back to the ten thousand hours, once you've once you've done a few, and I'm talking mm. you know years of it, uh, then you, you get into the the habit and the swing, and it and it just becomes a real a part of of who you are. It's interesting that that you said forty because a lot of times in these conversations, and there are a lot of men that, and mate, you say you ran away to the circus, and then maybe that was your, that was a pretty good distraction for a while. But yeah. uh, you know, I know a lot of men that in their twenties and thirties at least feel like they're in control of their lives and things, and then somewhere in those forties they feel like they're not in control. A lot of things happen young, between young kids and the, yeah. this whole crisis of masculinity. That that's interesting. But yeah, the meditation. What's your advice for? A bozo like me who's tried it and failed miserably. Uh, maybe the person who taught you was not the one for you. Okay. Right. So it's that simple. Um, it's like singing teachers, right? Yeah. You might have you might have gone to three or four, right? And the first three didn't quite work for you. But all of a sudden, you found one that you resonated with, who had a technique that was right for you. Um, 
meditation, like all things, is not um, is not copy uh, copy copy cu- cookie cutter. It's yeah. uh, it's different. Um, the guru in, in India has a process called the art of living, and it's beautiful. Okay, it's it's a it's a, it's a breathing and meditation process that whenever I feel like I'm out of control, uh, I just yeah I can just go in and do it mm. and. It brings me back to base level. So that's the first thing I would suggest to you. But I do want to touch on your toxic masculinity. Um, mm. I think that's that's the greatest um, challenge for men uh, of, I think, all ages. And, and uh, you know, even even young men today, it's um, it's generational. So it gets passed down. So even, you know, you've got, have you got a son? Seven. Right, there you go. So who you are today, Rav, and the choices you make will set your seven-year-old up for um, how free he is to uh, break away from that toxic masculinity mm. or, um, or to be imprinted on his DNA in such a way that he may never break out of it. So yeah. the, even at your age, the responsibility uh, is still really important not only for yourself but oh, for the next generation it's enormous i'm very present to it i'm just not sure whether i'm doing it right or not when when you say toxic masculinity i mean what, what is you know does that mean that we're taught to be tough and and we're yeah. meant to you know is that what it, that means to me toxic masculinity is, is simply what we believe we should be right right and there's an interesting parallel <clears throat> with finding yourself as a, as a entertainer um there's the um the stereotypical entertainer which you think you should be yeah. versus finding who you are. Mm. And that's the same as, as being, you know, a, a fella. So girls, stick with us on this just for the next minute because it's important <laughs> and it might help you with your, your partner. Um, we have a, a way that we believe we should be and that, and that is by reading our, our peers, it's by reading our, uh, our parent, you know, our, our dad or our granddad and to make changes um, in your life that are opposite to the way they taught you takes immense courage yeah immense courage like even even with the stuff that happened to me as a teenager um, dad didn't know how to tell me he loved me like mm. he, he couldn't verbalize it was like the Fonz remember that episode yeah, yeah, of yeah. Happy Days where Fonz couldn't say the word love dad couldn't say it mm. and I kept said to him a couple of times with no on the phone with no answer, and then the third time I said it, I'm just about to have the phone, and, he, and I hear this "love you," and went. <laughs> so of course I bawled my eyes out. Yeah, wow. Right? Yeah, but wow. Then the channel was open, yeah. and I can't shut him up now. Right. right. He hugs me. He lo- tells me daily he loves me. Right? Yeah. But how great? But how great? Yeah, but it is. But when I say toxic, it, it's toxic because you know. It's, it's learned behaviour. Yeah. It's that simple. And, and you can unlearn it, but you've got to practice it. You've got to mm. practice what you preach. There's a song called Call Me Out on the, on the, on the album. And okay. Darren, our drummer, and I were talking about it the other day. And, uh, and part of that is, is uh, in the song, is, is talk, you know, calling things out when, uh, when you know they're wrong. And, um, but amongst your, your peer group, when it's going to risk them alienating you mm. even at our age oh it's speaking your truth it's the hardest speaking, thing of all it's the hardest thing of all so yeah. and and in your relationships and you know say with, with your partner with all that stuff speaking your truth is that's the hardest thing of all it is and it's consistently and not and not changing who you are 
depending upon the um, the group that you're with that day. So not yeah. being one face for the boys, yeah. uh, you know, one face for your wife, one face for your kids. Consistency is the one thing that will elevate you quicker to a yeah. The two things that stick out there that stick out with a lot of the, the conversations we have around it is, you know, obviously, you know, it is really hard if you feel that you need to break from it, by the way, you know, but, mm-hmm. but it, the vigilance, that vigilance with yourself, um, whether that be through making sure you meditate or whatever it is you found that is going to help you or alleviate you, all those, you know, it, vigilance is a real uh, theme that keeps coming up, I think, in these conversations, is yeah, that totally. you're just really present to yourself and continuing and to... And I think being kind enough to yourself to go, okay, well, I have meditated for a month now, doesn't mean I'm a failure, doesn't mean I'm, I'm shit, yeah. right? I do want to do it. Yeah. Right? Don't don't just you know don't be, and a lot of blokes are all or nothing. Right? Yeah. I'm either I'm either on it on, off the beers or I'm on the beers. Yes. Right. Right. So it doesn't need to be that black and white. In fact, if mm. we're less black and white and we're more uh, kinder to ourselves, more shades of grey, uh, we can you know we can fo- we can flow like the like the mountain and the river. There's my analogy for the day. Yeah. Our song. Yeah. There is a song about it. There I is. Believe. Yeah. You might find it on a cassette somewhere. Well, you may. You know what, this wasn't, uh, hey, hey, it's Saturday, but, you know. Look, it I, doesn't need to be. I, I um, really do appreciate you being on All Fun and Games, mate, and it is always just wonderful to have a chat to you. No, it's, it's been great, and I, I need to finish with uh, camera, what, what camera are we calling this? You, you're the rock star, mate. You pick, uh, I think, is this camera one? Camera one. All right, camera one. <clears throat> this is my basic instinct moment, right? Stone, beat your heart out, baby. I expect you to slow that down in the edit so that everyone gets a schnicko look. Namaste. See you later. Sharon Stone, beat your heart out, baby.